Right on radio. Right on radio. And welcome to Right on Radio. My name is Jeff. I'm your host. And if this is your first time, please like and subscribe to this broadcast. You can find us on Facebook at Real Right on Radio and various other places where this is posted. But it's so important that you share it with your friends. Give us some likes. And even if you're able, give a positive comment or two. Now, this show in particular is the most explosive show we've done to date. The names of the deep state actors and how they actually do things is revealed by a first person testimony of a very, very famous case that has made international news and a lot of names are dropped in this. To be honest, this was a very hard interview for me. It ends on a super positive note or as positive as it can be. I should say, but we do end on a positive note. So hang in there because the story is deep and it could happen to you, ladies and gentlemen. So listen to this. My guest is so articulate and it's it was just a, a really great interview. And she's already agreed to come back a week from now. Going to have her on the show. We're going to go even further into this topic. So definitely fasten your seat belts. And jump into this one as I bring on guest Tammy Reef. Right on, right on, right on. And welcome to Right On Radio. This is probably the most important show we have ever done, and this is going to be explosive. It is going to exploit an international child trafficking ring and probably one of the biggest international child trafficking abductions that goes through multiple governments, multiple government agencies, through the judicial system, all of these things being complicit. Our guest today is Tammy, and Tammy Reef has been living a hell because of these people and the abduction of her son. But let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this broadcast is so important because you are needed. Yes, you have a part in this, even if it is just prayer. When we unite in prayer, this is our greatest weapon, and we can bring this cabal down. As always, Jesse is with me here. Please like, subscribe, and share this episode. This episode, more than any other episode, needs to get out there. Make this go viral. I pray that you do this. There's kids involved. It could be your kid next. Could be your nephew, your sister. Could be anyone you know. They could do this to anybody. This is how powerful this is, and it needs to stop now. Tammy, welcome to Right On Radio, and thank you so much for joining. Your story is so important. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for getting Jonah's story out. Yeah, so why don't we just kind of start at the beginning of how how your life got turned upside down and, and all of this happened? Um, yes. 
So this is, uh, before I start in with all of that, I want to I wanna let our audience know that um, this, is a very, this is a very voluminous, convoluted uh, case, uh, I, and I don't want to take away from any others that are going through this, because I will tell you that they too will, will have a story that'll be similar, that'll be very convoluted about how they take children through our governments, our government courts, and they traffic them. Uh, so I'm going to try to do my best to give it a, a nutshell approach to how, how this happened to us and what happened to us. Um, wh- while I go into that, these kind of cases, I have a, something called a hierarchy case that is technically speaking in our, even our government people, our government high level federal officials call this a bloodline case. So this is not like uh, just a, uh, a terminology that's used only used by survivors. I want to let your audience know that this is something that even officials in literally the highest levels, this is the terminology they use themselves, that this is a bloodline case. So with going into the story, um, uh, they understand, and we're still trying to find out how, how I was targeted first before I had my son. So that goes into your hierarchy, bloodline families, bloodline case terminology. You have friends and family too that are involved. That's why they also term it a bloodline case besides lineage. So again, I was targeted first uh, when, uh, before I had my son and after. So they were obviously after, obviously my child, um, and he was taken through uh, three separate kidnappings, just to start off with. Do you have any questions from there? So, yeah, just, and I know Jesse's going to get in because Jesse knows so much more about the bloodlines and stuff like that, but is it, did you come from a, a special family, a family that was known to be involved in the brotherhood? Uh, you know, I guess that would be my first question. And then, you know, obviously three kidnappings. Wow. That needs to be expanded upon. Uh, But let's just start with there with just you and your family history. Yes. So that's a great question. And the answer to that is an absolute yes. Um, What I, again, growing up, um, I, there was a lot of things I did not know until later on about my mother's father, who was involved in uh, the, the uh, Chicago uh, mafia down to connected to Traficante, which I learned being a client and also an organization, a little bit more about that, which was, that meant he was also CIA. Uh, my grandfather's family lineage was, is a Cozine, Van Dune family bloodline. Um, I learned a little bit more about them being a client, about the Cozines and also through uh, Fritz. Uh, Springer Meyer. Um, with that said, the other side of the my mother's mother's side of the family, I did know. I was, I was made to know. Matter of fact, since I was four years old, that our family line was a secret type of line that comes directly, directly uh, related to the last king of France, Louis Philippe the second. Sorry, the first. We are also related on uh, on that same vein of family to Franz Joseph the first. So 
his, illegit his illegitimate daughter was a great-great-grandmother of ours. So you have people that are looking into those, or they're tracking those bloodlines. I also found out, too, in my father's side, the, reef the reefs were really related. They're direct descendants from the Reefershides, Bedburg, that married into the Habsburgs. My mother's side is Habsburg-Lorraine. So the father's side's reefs, but they were the reefs also in time married into the Smith Sinclairs. So I found out more about the Smith Sinclairs just a few years ago. They owned Sinclair. They were one of the owners, should I say, of Sinclair Oil out of uh, Oklahoma. That was their branch. So I learned a lot more about those other, the Sinclairs, the Cozy and Bandians later on. But when I was a child, I was made to know about the Habsburg Lorraines when I was four years old by my grandmother, who was betrothed as a child. And then besides um, the bloodline, can you bring in a little bit about the secret orders that, ancient secret orders that some of your family relatives were involved in? Yes. So uh, in, the, in the process of learning a lot of these, uh, a lot of this information, I had, um, I'm not going to say the name, but I had a family member co finally come forward and, it, and give me the history on the Sinclair side. Um, they wanted me to know that my great-grandfather was a Knights Templar. So, and he was, he had a Masonic funeral. As a matter of fact, my dad did finally admit to me that he did attend his Masonic funeral. Now that part of the family, um, even Fritz talks about in his book, you have a lot of people that are in the Brotherhood that are LDS and RLDS. And we were growing up RLDS. So again, you had all the hierarchy in this RLDS and even LDS today that are hidden members of the Knights Templar. So, and again, we also know that um, the Knights Templar are also under the Priory de Sion. That is a real organization. They absolutely do exist. So you have these families that are, we find out, that are connected in something called the Merovingian bloodlines. It's a 13th bloodline. So when we did more history into who the families and on the Sinclair side, the Cozy and Van Dune side, you go into the Habsburg Lorraine with the Riefenscheids, there's all these different bloodlines that come out of that that are under the Brotherhood. And so we find out that, they, that there's more than 12 to 13 bloodlines just within each side of the family going between my, my parents, their parents, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and and this is very um, very unique. Um, there's a special group of children through the centuries that they've been specifically breeding to get the highest level of spiritual gifts um, with as many of the bloodlines as they can. So Jonah is one of those kids where he's got more than ten of the bloodlines um, on both sides. So you know. A very unique, very unique child. I'd like to add too that Jonah had a very high IQ. So when they target children in this government-sponsored kidnapping, they will they will test them for their IQs. Also, he had a very high IQ. Uh, one of the things too they look for any type of generational uh, spiritual giftings, any type of psychic with the what the secular world would call psychic abilities. Jonah had that as well. Um, I uh, that 
I, I can absolutely say that comes from um, even my, my mother's mother's side of the family. As I experienced that myself as a child, my mother, I think she said she every house she ever lived in was, there was a haunting. But obviously there was other things going on maybe that she maybe isn't privy to or doesn't remember of why those types of activities would have taken place in every single house that she ever grew up in. And I experienced the same thing being, being uh, babysat by her parents when I was little. We lived in something called the Amoroso House in Venice, California, and that house was was absolutely had the highest level of spiritual dark entity type of activity in that house and i was i'm the oldest granddaughter so i did see and experience much activity in those in in that house so again they look for generational families and people that have that have those abilities to see into the other side children that can see into the other side um, whether it might be angelic or dark entities, they look for that type of, they're looking for that type of generational carried on down the line background. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned the term, Tammy, uh, RLDS. Yes. And an LDS. I don't know what those are. Yes, uh, the LDS are known as the Latter-day Saints. They are the Mormon Church. The RLDS would be under the breakaway of the LDS Church called the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints under Joseph Smith. So that is the church um, that I did grow up in on my father's side of the family. So you had you had both the Mormon department and the Masonic department um, connections with your family line. That's correct. That's correct. Um, now I would like to say on my mother's side of the family, her mother was um, a staunch Roman Catholic. So uh, um, and the uh, her father's side was they were Seven Day Adventists, but you had again you had that on my my grandmother, my mother's mother. Her line, her family were, again, Roman Catholic, going all the way back to France, to Alsace-Lorraine, France, and Strasbourg. And that is where her her family, much of their her family, that's where they're originally from. Mm-hmm. So now, now let's start the transition into Jonah. First of all, yeah. but, you know, how, what, what year was he born? And then tell me about the first, second, and third kidnappings. Yes. So Jonah was born uh, December 18th, 2007. I'd like to state that uh, prior to his birth, I had four letters that came from uh, an organization that people think is mythical, uh, that is absolutely alive and well and functioning. And this organization is called the Illuminati. Um, People know them as different secret societies that are all rolled up into one. So I had four letters between July 2007 and October of 2007 um, that were basically, these letters were 10 to 14 pages long. They knew everything about me, mentioned that they had uh, watched me my whole life. They uh, maybe had even been at restaurants or places that I had been sitting behind me. Uh, maybe I've even met some of them as I excited to work in the film industry. I was an art director for many, many years in Hollywood. So prior to my son's birth. So there, again, you have that Hollywood connection as well. So fast forward to Jonah's birth. Of course, I um, did not 
did not succumb to these letters asking me to join them. I'm asking, these were Air France. They were sent from out of the country. Okay, um, so so with the letters, and I just want to stop you there, uh, they, they asked you to join, but they, so there was 14 pages or multiple pages. What kind of letterhead were they on? Uh, in, in essence, was it a recruiting? Was it trying to prove their point? Were they threatening? Yes, yes. The, the coat of arms um, has been tracked. And interestingly enough, the coat of arms, because um, my father has received letters now from 2017 on to recently, the coat of arms is literally a Sinclair Priory de Sion coat of arms. So it's in the family lineage coat of arms, which is very, was that was pretty shocking, I have to say. Uh, these, the first letter was, was very complimentary. It was very, um, you know, like I said, they, they, they were wooing me, shall we say. And it was, and at first I thought, is this, I thought it was from the film industry. I thought, wow, this is, uh, this is quite something. This is kind of amazing. Wow. This is really nice of these people. And they were inviting me and said that there's going to be a huge celebration of some with the most hype like highest level, most powerful people in the world that they're going to have a party even for me. It was kind of, I, I thought, well, Jesus must be the film industry because a lot of those people are connected to the film industry. The second letter, when I didn't answer that, I got another one. And again, they were reiterating pretty much the same thing and that, that they wanted me to join them, that this was the highest honor. They were the most powerful people in the world. This that they were part of something that was so secret that had been around for going back hundreds and hundreds of years and that they chose me, that I was the chosen one. So uh, then at that point I thought, is this a joke? Is this some kind of scam? I didn't know what to think of it. So, but there was something, there was something in my inner being um, that just just it didn't sit right. Um, I was in ministry at the time, and I I brought it to the attention of, of friends in ministry. As a matter of fact, I read every letter to friends and family, including my own sister, who who sent me a, an email down the road that said this is why they took Jonah, which I still have that email, and said if you would have just done this, you know, maybe they would have maybe they would have left us alone. But which that doesn't make sense. But because you have to take a blood oath to join them. So with that said, um, I had many people that knew about this and it didn't sit right. And they said, I, I don't know, something's wrong with this. And I felt that. So the third letter was actually threatening, was very uh, abrupt and they were angry. You could tell like, how dare I don't answer them. Um, they were, they thought it was, they let me know that they were gonna take no for an answer and that I had better answer that letter. And at that point, I was alarmed because that, uh, obviously this wasn't just a scam. Somebody was, there was a group of people that they mentioned that they were, that were very serious that I, uh, that I adhere to this summons, I, from what I understand is really what it was. And, and they've and, already disclosed that they've been all around you and know everything about you. So the, the threat right. is imminent my whole life and at that point my mother stepped up and said well I, ha I need to tell you i got one when you were born i was born in st louis missouri that actually which is a <laughs> he's a descendant he's a great great grandfather going all the way back oddly enough so she even said she got one when i was in high school another one and she too hadn't answered any of those as well um at that point i we we thought there's this was definitely coming from targeting from my my mother's mother she had 
letters patent in the family she from the French royalty that because she was betrothed as a baby so we we started to think that maybe it's connected to that which it which it partly is um, she had letters that her mother wrote to some of the uh, relatives over in France that were part of the the French royalty and some were also still in hiding also goes back to the Spanish Habsburgs as well um, and there were some correspondence and my grandmother kept these letters matter of fact she had the CIA break into her home and various places stealing the letters my grandfather um, her ex-husband they were divorced when I was five the Cousine Bandun uh, grandfather he went under the name Marshall which is his real name was Machado Portuguese uh, royal family so they, he was also stealing the letters too because he was part of the CIA. So this definitely went back to those, these letters patent. And so we knew at that point that this, this, we were also being affected by what would happen to her uh, when she basically refused to be married to the, whoever they had her, which was, it, well, it wasn't whoever. They had her lined up to marry um, Juan Carlos of Spain, the Spanish Habsburgs. So she uh, left and eloped. So we knew it was connected to that situation. Um, but there was probably even more at the time that we didn't know that needed to be uncovered that we didn't understand. There's a lot that I've learned since then. What happened after that, there was a fourth letter and the fourth letter was absolutely frightening. The fourth letter was absolutely threatening me um, that I wasn't, I wasn't uh, answering them. And to mind you, this is now October 2007. My son's just about to be born. Um, and uh, I have to say, that was, that was alarming. That was very, very frightening. So, so what happened after that? Um, I, I, you know, being in ministry at the time, I knew that, again, that that wasn't, that this, I knew I should, this is definitely something that I needed not to do. This is definitely something that I just, I just knew that, like just that was like the Lord did not this was not God this was nothing to do with the God that I know the, the God of heaven <laughs> the God of you know uh, the God of Isaac I, Isaac you know the God of Jacob the God of Benjamin this is this is definitely this is definitely not not uh, not the Lord so when you didn't respond that fourth time between that and what happened after that with with the birth of Jonah. At that point, um, nothing happened after, right away. Actually, um, it wasn't. It wasn't until maybe um, you know a, a year later that I had a friend of mine that was that was pretty high level in the film industry, who had a similar letter, um, and she too was from a, a connecting line. She was a, a Medina connected to the Machados. So they were the they come down from the kings of Leon and Castile on the Portuguese Spanish side from the Machados. And their name derives originally from a Hebrew name called the Maccabees, so, um, who went to the Azor Islands. So when I sat down with her, I noticed she had a letter on the table and I asked her, I said, I said, oh my gosh, where did you, where did this letter come from? Who is this? And, she's, and she said, Tammy, this is the Illuminati. You don't know? And I said, well, I got four of these. I did not know at the time where they came from. I did not know that. She had to, she had to teach me and fill me in at the time. And of course, we both worked in the film industry. And I said, are these people in the film industry? Are they, are they from the film industry? And she said, no, no, no. This is much higher than that. And she said, 
I mean, we probably got them because we are, you know, we've been groomed in the film industry. I was groomed to be, I was supposed to be become an, a director after being an art director and a prop master. So uh, she kind of basically filled me in at that point, like what, who this is, this is much higher than that. And that was at that time, I thought, I, I really did not know that they were a real organization at that time. And that was in 2008. Oh, they're very real. And they've yes, been they around are. for centuries. Yes. So, okay, now, so Jonah is born, and how how long do you have Jonah before the first kidnapping? Um, Jonah, uh, I was, there was an attempt to kidnap him. They started this case, because I had moved to the state of Alabama when Jonah was three months old. And, and I moved there because uh, my the, the grandparents, my parents, lived in Alabama, they still do. And they moved there when I was like 25. So they had been there for a really long time. Um, they live in the tri-state area of Georgia, on the, right on the, on the cusp of Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee. And that's important because it goes to case, sub, like jurisdictional matters is why it matters. So they had a PO box uh, on right across, just literally like a mile away. They lived in, you know, they had their PO box in Georgia, in Rising Pond, Georgia. So matter of fact, they're, our banking, our going to the grocery stores, everything was in Rising Fawn in Trenton, Georgia. If you wanted to go to the mall, you had to go to Chattanooga, Tennessee. So I moved back there to be near my folks. I also had a, a personal private business that I had besides working in the film industry called Heavenly Perks. It was a coffee business. Um, so we moved everything lock, stock and barrel there when I, my son was three months old. So at that point, we, everything was, you know, kind of was, uh, safe at that point in time. It wasn't until Jonah was 14 months old that they did an attempt to do legal kidnapping over state lines. And I will go into what that means, what legal kidnapping means in, in about a minute. Well, and over said, state lines also makes it more federal, right? It does. It does. So they attempted to kidnap him at that time my, when my son was 14 months old. That was February of 2009. We had a judge in Alabama that quote-unquote said this woman's being strong-armed. So he actually protected us, knew that he had something called subject matter jurisdiction. They used a man that I had briefly dated. Um, however, he's not the father of my son. So these people are paper wizards. Um, they are people that, again, are, are a group. You have a group of people that move in a ring, that are moving literally connected like a spider web of officials and you have a hierarchy in this too that are connected literally from state to state there isn't you can't unturn one rock and not find one of these people connected so they have people wherever they need them i, I kid you not to to get done whatever they need to do to to utilize them a lot of them are going to be freemasons that they can call up at the drop of a hat to do them a favor and since they took an oath and they've been initiated into different levels of freemason these people have to end up succumbing to them or they will blackmail them or they pay them off um or they use some other types of threat of death or other 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 means to get done what they need to be done so when you said the first kidnapping was it was attempted, uh, was it through the legal system, through Child Protection Services, or did someone literally pull up in a van and try to snatch Jonah? No, um, the the first attempt was to basically strong army. They actually, now allegedly, they claimed they did have some kind of 
special victims unit or something that came over state lines that were waiting in the wings and they were going to do a snatch and grab is what they were going to do. I did not know that at the time, but what they tried to do is they tried to uh, file papers. They filed papers in a secret court. So they judge shopped. They had somebody that was already working with them. Her name was Judge Eugenia Irabidi. And what they did was they filed papers in a secret court. They, unbeknownst to me, they filed papers that I was actually the wife of this man named Brian Sullivan. And what they did was they all colluded together. Their boss, the administrative judge who was overseeing this, back in 2009 was a judge named Kenneth K. So, a Japanese man. So he was overseeing this secretly. So they filed this in a family court. I'm not a family case. So I'm a, I would be called a juvenile paternity case. So I'm not a family matter. That's very important to you to understand and for people that are trying to understand what happened to them or understand the legal system. Because see, they too have a code system. They have a system that's set up not only like with a with symbols that say, okay, this case gets filed here. That's why you have you have district courts, you have, you have juvenile courts, you have uh, you have circuit courts, you have traffic courts, right? You also have criminal courts. These are called, these are symbols that they'll put in each different, so people know where the cases have to get filed. But you see, in my case, we had a man that was a Colorado proven resident. So that meant his residence was in Colorado. He had, he had property he owns all over California. He had property he owns all over the United States in different areas. That doesn't mean that he resides. His actual habitual residency was California. So he couldn't file there either. They could, and what they did was they made it look like I was still a resident of the state of California when I was no longer. This was, gosh, let's see, into, we're talking, I mean, into the next year. You have to, if I could see if it was right then and there in the three months that my son was born. I mean, I'm sorry, I, when I left, Alabama, left Alabama, I could see if they did it then, but they didn't. They filed it. Imagine it's March of 2008, we moved to Alabama. You have to have a six month period of time where you're where you show residency which i had done lock stock and barrel where by the time they sorry let me interrupt you there for a second just so we can make sure the audience understands so so what you're telling me is is you you left california and you had residency now in alabama and that's where you had jonah um you had this individual you had dated in the past um, who was currently at the time a resident of Colorado. And this person, f- basically you were just living normal life and then you got a summons to family court to appear with this guy and he was fighting for custody of your son? Is that what you're saying? Correct, correct. So, And they made it look like you're married. Which I didn't know that at the time. So, And they made it look like, see... See, under the under the marriage laws, which is this is remind everybody, this is called a methodology. So if they can marry into a, a person that is used as a breeder, then see under the under state and local federal laws, most of the times you don't have to prove paternity because you're married to that person. So that's what they were doing. Unbeknownst to me at the time. They bypassed him having to take any paternity tests. Because even though you didn't see it on the paperwork, on his end, he was filing in 
family divorce court divorce court that's correct he was he filed in it literally it's it's the symbols i just didn't know at the time were dn basically the handler kidnapping your child was gaining custody of your son through divorce court correct that's right even the symbols in on the case dn stand for divorce. I did not know that at the time. But again, remember, they're going to, they, they target people who are vulnerable, who don't have any background, don't, who wouldn't ever have any law background at all. They know that they are oblivious. So again, you're, you're, when you go into legalities, what they did when they went over state lines, they, went, they, went, they tried to go in 10 months later. That you can't, where 10 months later, I mean, I've, I've established jurisdiction in another state Lock, stock, and barrel, hands down, absolutely legitimately. So again, I my point was I was in a, I was no longer a resident of California either, as well as the handler they used. He literally couldn't file anything in that state. So, but again, they did it. They did it through divorce court, which is called a methodology, so that they could gain access and control and take the child is how they did it through illegal kidnapping, where you're not noticed, they just file things on an ex parte, which are emergency hearings, they should only be used for emergencies. So to go on with what you asked earlier, three kidnappings, let's go into that a little bit more. So the attempt, as I mentioned, you didn't work. We had a judge in Alabama that protected us. And he protected us for literally almost like, almost two and a half, almost three years. So to understand for the audience, any legal people out there, they're going to know that the state of Alabama had something called subject matter jurisdiction. And even the judge in Alabama had literally laid down the law. Hey, I have jurisdiction here. I have subject matter jurisdiction. And we have two people that can't, that should literally can't file in your, can't file anything in your state because neither one is a resident. So that goes into another arm of something called legal kidnapping. So what they do in the first kidnapping of, of my son, they do an abduction. The judge in, Al- in California, basically, she railroads the judge in Alabama and pretends like everything he's saying doesn't, as if it doesn't exist, as if that it doesn't matter. She violates federal law. And what she does is she violates the law to enforce the law, is what she does. She's still basically moving along as if nothing she's doing is federally illegal which it was it was federal kidnapping so you have you have the alabama judge was trying to protect us to protect you and follow the legal laws he knew that neither of you were residents of that state so you know even if you technically had been married you couldn't do anything in that state because neither of you were technically resident or the case wasn't supposedly coming from the you know the state of Alabama and then you had this other judge from California who was going along with the lie and basically overrode this Alabama judge is his authority and his rule is that yeah and he 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 actually did stand his ground and he actually had a protection order on us that we were not to leave the state of Alabama and so he did protect us for as long as he could and so at that point, there was, like I said, there, there was a uh, kidnapping, abduction of my son um, by, the, by the, sorry, the California judge, Eugenia Irabaiti. My son um, was 
uh, forced to California. We had attorneys that actually played both sides. Said, no, 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 you have to, you have to, you have to abide by both states. But of course, remember, they're looking at people that don't have any wherewithal with the court system and don't. And you, have, when you have a judge threatening you, I'm going to steal, I'm going to take your child away permanently if you don't, if you don't abide by my order. When her orders were absolutely something called void amnesio. That means they're void on their face. That means they they literally are have the have the authority behind them uh, like paper. Okay, you can step on them, wipe your feet on them because they don't have any. They have no. They have no standing. So it's a legal term. Okay, whatsoever. Let's break it down for for our audience. What did that look like in real life? Like what what happened? Did they just show up? Who showed up? Or I'm assuming either you got something by mail, or did they show nope. the door? See, see legal kidnappings, they don't they, they don't send you anything by mail. They try to email you, or they or they don't even they don't even notice you at all. And they and again, we were forced into a situation, so they end up taking my son by force, okay, over state lines, and he gets abducted. He's gone for six days. And I know this is all illegal, but I don't know how to, at the time, like a lot of parents go through this. They don't know what to do. You don't, you're scared. You, you don't know how to fight it. You don't know what to do. So who picked up Jonah? So the, so the, the, the California judge has this, this Brian Sullivan handler pick up Jonah and he disappears for six straight days. Did when I was, you pick him up from your house or from they, else? No, they forced us into the state from Alabama into California, and they literally forced him to a to some l- random location where they literally this there's a transgender man. His name is Dennis Nolan, who go at the time went by Denise Glazer. So there was two different people who played Denise Glazer also. So the first one who was younger who has also played a person by the name of Sarah Francis, who we now know as Jacqueline Sutton, so who's a dual citizen of Australia and the United States. The handler, by the way, Brian Sullivan, is a dual citizen between Australia and the, New- and the United States. They, all, they both work for the intelligence services CIA. So these guys were CIA handlers in a ring of traffickers that are trafficking children with the CIA. So these guys show up and take my child, and I'm forced, and I'm told if I don't, um, I'm 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 being told that I will be uh, arrested. Um, I'm told I will I'm going to take my child away permanently if I don't hand him over, and I don't know that I am not supposed to do that. And I'm at the same time, I have a I find out afterwards I have a judge in Alabama that said you better get back here or I can arrest you. So I'm it was it was the most in, uh, absurd you know, thing to go through and you don't know what is going, you don't know what to do. When you have attorneys too, they're telling you you have to, you have to, you have to buy by both judges. But what's happening is the judge in Alabama was playing both sides, helping the people in California, Mr. Stephen Bussman. And so he was helping the people in California. He was being paid under the table is what was happening. So, but he'd still didn't want to get in trouble by his judge, Judge Stephen Whitmire in Alabama. So at that point I get, I finally, my son was supposed to be back um they were supposed to return him back to me too and he doesn't come back so i have to i file an amber alert and i now i know this is even and i'm when i I went to the the courthouse there's no order there there's no nothing i mean there's no order like they said 
this was a this was all complete fraud upon the court. So when I find out that this is, I know it's illegal, but now there's no order, and I have people that are some advocates that step in, and I'll get into who those people are later on down the road. They're like, no, 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 this is illegal kidnapping. This is this is strong arming by force. So, and I know it's illegal, but I, I didn't know what to do. So now these people are worried, meaning the the, tra the traffickers, the Sullivan people are all worried. I filed an Amber Alert. I've gone to the Carlsbad Police Department, not knowing that they're in on it, and that he's filed papers that I'm, that he did a police report claiming I'm his wife, and I took off this child and went to Alabama. I don't know any of that's happening, so that he's just getting his child back. But when I file an Amber Alert, there's no there's no order showing I should even be forced to California. Let me tell you, all of a sudden they decide to like quickly give the child back. He comes back. He's been through SRA. He's been absolutely, literally. He has been molested. He has been beaten. He's been completely uh, battered. Um, I ended up getting help over state lines, heading back to California in Arizona. I had the special victims unit help me here, and they came back with intentional child abuse. And they helped me file a case with DHR, which is CPS basically in Alabama, and sent paperwork there. So, so I ended up getting over six over six days this Brian Sullivan takes Jonah and not only exposes him to satanic rituals, but also they sexually molest Jonah and physically abuse him. How, how old was Jonah at that age? Jonah would have, would have been going on. Um, he was 18 months. So, um, into, sorry, actually yeah, 18 months. Um, he, um, uh, pardon me, sorry, that was 22 months because that was November of 2009. So, correction. So, they were trying to get him in 18 months. Judge everybody was trying to force us since then. That's when that started. So, and we all, he comes back. Yeah, we know, like, you know, I mean, at that age, that's an important age around age two, almost three. They do some beginning rituals with children that are hierarchy. So, um, you've now confirmed that was kind of what they were doing with Jonah were some of those initial rituals. Right. So I, I did learn later, later that they were testing him for his gifts at that time. Which So doing trauma-based type of abuse is part of what they do to do, to do that, type, that type of testing. And they have to get them between 18 months and two years old. So he literally said, so this is what they were doing. And they usually take them, I found out later, six to seven days to do that. So like I said, I was able to get him back. Um, I, I, we get back to Alabama. And again, um, we, they had other attempts uh, to kidnap him over state lines where it got the point where we had, I had gotten the uh, Alabama FBI involved I had gotten um, a uh, another another judge actually who protected us had got involved um, because it became a they, they tried to kidnap him straight out of our house uh, in Alabama in February of 2010. And, um, Sullivan came with uh, this Dennis Denise uh, Nolan and a, and somebody by the name of Sandy Short Alexander Sandy Short another transgender man and they literally tried to kidnap my child out of my house in Henniger, Alabama at the time. What they did was they also profiled us. They put us on the internet with 200,000 hits of saying this is giving directions from the Birmingham airport showing how to get to our house, showing how far the police station is, showing that we lived alone with my landlady 
And so this other judge, he was aware that this was, and so it was the FBI, was aware that this was a type of profiling. They had put Jonah up on YouTube as well by himself and something called, it was a code name. The name was Sully. And they put actually behind him a French castle called the Sully Castle behind him in this profiling him, saying this is that child from that lineage connected to that French lineage. So they did that also in 2009. They also discovered there was other children that the same people had profiled and they were Australian accents that they had in the background profiling other children and they called it November 2009. My son was coded, Sully was the code name. So they knew that the federal people knew that this was profiling of Jonah, that they were profiling not only just Jonah, but also to do kidnapping out of her house and also possibly a rape, whatever, an abduction is what they were doing, which is why I had a case open. If I didn't have, if this wasn't that, I wouldn't, I would not have had those cases literally open with the paperwork. We had a protection from abuse order at that point in time protecting us from this type of abduction in the state of Alabama twice. So so basically they were they had this online avenue where they were putting all of the hierarchy children that they were trying to abduct and by putting it online it was almost like a hit list saying you know help us get this child and you're you're going to get a reward um and then, so they were doing that on the public side, getting everybody, you know, who's into this same Illuminati involved in the abduction. And then behind the scenes, they were also working through the government and the legal side to create all this fake paperwork and all these fake documents um, to make what Sullivan was doing legal. Correct. Correct. And so to, to go to, to kind of fast forward into the second kidnapping, so the second kidnapping actually is literally a federal kidnapping. They literally go across state lines into Alabama um, and they literally uh, kidnap him over state lines. They, they literally even held me in the front of the courthouse, locked me in a front room and made it look like I was falsely arrested. Um, they, they literally, uh, this was in star chambers. Matter of fact, judge Whitmire by this time is he's, he, he took a bribe is what happened. He, t- he was blackmailed. He takes a bribe. There is no court hearing for this. They do this in star chambers, which that's a violation of the sunshine laws that were outlawed in the 1930s. So you can't do that. And he's back there without his robe on. So he's not even acting in his official capacity and Sullivan's back there. And he basically is back there with his attorney, Dana Grimes, an Alabama attorney, who's all being, this is all being, uh, they're, they're, give, they're being given directions from a ring of officials in California, is what's happening. And they, so basically, they're also getting instructions from another primary group outside the United States, who is paying the secondary group, is what I found out later, inside the United States to do all of this. And these are generational trafficking families, the Suttons, the Nolans, the Clarks, and the Sullivans. So these people are all working together and with the shorts. So what they do is they finally get my son and do know that he is handed over to this Brian Sullivan guy with this, with this, the second Dennis Nolan and Sandy Short in a literally 
a police department dark parking lot at three o'clock in the morning. Now, if you talk to any officials, they'll tell you it doesn't work like that. A child is not going to be handed over by other officials in a dark parking lot at three o'clock in the morning. That just doesn't happen like that. So that's how they get into California. I am having to, that's called a legal kidnapping. So this is where they change custody in paperwork. They do not notice you. You do not know this is happening. And I want you all to know, I actually, later on down the road, was able to obtain transcripts where there's a second judge that takes over for Judge Eugenia Irabidi in 2010. And he's a notorious legal kidnapping judge besides Eugenia Irabidi. And his name is Judge Gregory Pollock. He is absolutely notorious. He's well known for being one of the most corrupt judges in all of California. That's hands down. We'll give him a prize for that one. So he basically says, hey, let's not notice her. She won't know. And we'll come across state lines and we'll take the child. And she won't know that basically we're changing custody and we won't notice her. See, you have to notice people to come to court. You have to legally serve them papers that you are going to, in a normal custody situation, that you're going to change custody. Well, what's really interesting about Judge Pollack is he does all these things when he actually is not even, I didn't even know this, at the time that he is no longer a family court judge. He's actually in criminal court. So even more so, he did not have the authority. He didn't have the jurisdiction. He didn't have the authority. He didn't have the standing. He was all doing this literally illegally without any, any authority to do so. He's violating his oath of office. He's doing this literally, it's a federal kidnapping. There's no paperwork, no legitimate paperwork. I kid you not, there's just nothing. And they're doing it in a secret court, making it look like I'm married is what they're doing to make it look like I'm his wife without my knowledge. So, so Tammy, I just wanna just, first of all, this story is making me literally sick to my stomach. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm having a hard time even thinking about what, what Jonah experienced, but um, what you experienced at this time, like obviously you've learned a lot of in, in, in retrospect what has happened legally and everything, but at this time you're being bamboozled yes. by this system. And these are people in authority who, you know, we are taught that we're to trust them. Uh, of course, we know now, uh, you know, especially with talking with Jesse and, and some of those other programs that we've done to uncover this, that the, the Brotherhood has really infiltrated every level of government and authority everywhere. And they've always got some, but so when, when Jonah is taken for the second time and, and you're, you're being held, like just uh, what's going on mentally for you at this time? I am so frightened. I know that, I mean, I'm in fear that I'll never see my child again. So, um, and I know that there's nothing legal about this. And I did have people too in Alabama that were helping me. And they're like, this is legal kidnapping. My gosh. I mean, um, uh, you know, you're going to have to try to get help even on a higher level than this. Because, the, I mean, I even had a warrant out. I want you to know for, with the federal people in Alabama for Sullivan's arrest and, and Dennis, Denise Glazer, a.k.a. Denise Wallach, Nolan. I have to put all the aliases in there so other people who know this case know who I'm talking about to be exact. And this is the, this is Glazer number two, by the way. Um, so 
yeah, I had a warrant out for their arrest. These guys made it all go bye-bye. They had, I mean, all of the paperwork. That's the kind of level we're talking about. And so when I fast forward into the third kidnapping, I want you to understand that the third kidnapping, um, before it happens, I had got help from certain ADA advocates by this time, uh, you know, because I had to go back, I had to go into California and I had to try to get Jonah back. And, and they made me play fake, fake custody court. I'm playing like as if I'm, and I don't understand, I know it's all illegal. Now, mind you, there was no paternity done in, the, in Alabama. They said, no, we wanted Sullivan to come here and do a paternity trial in 2009. Do you know he was in contempt of court, wouldn't go there to do it because he knew he wasn't the father. He knew he couldn't be the father because when I conceived my son, he was in Australia. So he, that's quite impossible. So again, um, he, he knows he can't come through without paying people off and without them rigging the system, okay? Which that's what they try to do in California and, and, and after the second kidnapping is what they try to do. I'm able to expose that. I'm able to jump through all these hoops just to make a long story short with that. And so, again, I ended up going to Sacramento, and I got papers showing that the Sullivan guy in 2012, which they, they do not know, they might know now, I had papers showing he still was not even listed as a parent. And this, these were under paperwork that's called Title IV-D, okay? And that's, a, that's another leg of the case. And I'd like to, I will get into that because that's how so many children are taken by CPS and under Title 4D, which is a kids for cash scheme to steal children through the courts, okay? And that's also another way they target children literally around the country and in Canada and other countries too. So fast forward into the third kidnapping. I finally get this paperwork that I have showing he's not a parent, he's not anything, and I'm, they have, there's no paternity, it's all, it's all fraud. I know at this time, I, by 2012, um, I get him back, and I know I've got to get into federal court, and I was told even by certain Alabama reps in Montgomery, they're like, you're going to have to get in federal court to overturn all this. This is absolutely federal kidnapping. You're going to need higher help. So what happens is um, I know that I've got, to, I've got to open a case, federal intervention XREL. So, but what happens is I'm trying to get help with some people I knew with, um, in North Carolina. Um, There's also a ministry there that I was connected to called Morningstar Ministries. They happen to be uh, on, the, on the border of Charlotte, North Carolina and Fort Mill, South Carolina. Literally I know border. it well. My life was changed going there for a conference. Well, there's a lot of amazing people there. Um, but I'm, I'm going to shock you a little bit today, and it's <laughs> uh, some things that I didn't know, too, um, but I'll, I'll leave that. Uh, no, I, well, let it fly. So what happens is there's people that infiltrated that church, okay, is what happened. And so they were part of, uh, one of them, her name is Gina Mish, that she, I did not know, worked for CPS for 15 years. And she was someone I met in ministry in California. She moves to North Carolina. So she's already in place is what they're doing. She's, she's in place. She's, you know, she's uh, six hours away from where I live in Alabama. It was, a it was a, you know, short hop, skip and a jump to drive to North Carolina to go visit her and go to Morningstar. And she was involved in children's ministry. And I got to help do some puppetry ministry because that's really what I wanted to go into with God TV. And so basically these people are kind of, they're like making sure they've got people lined up everywhere with any avenue I go down is what they're really doing. Okay. So 
I ended up going to North Carolina to uh, literally try to get help from some people I knew that were advocates that lived in that area and also to get help from the ministry. Now, mind you, I know I've got to get in federal court. What happens is that I literally am surrounded by people that were recruiters in the ring that were connected to the Sullivan Nolan gang that were literally inside Morningstar Ministries and they were part of Ohio Gate. Okay. So these guys are put there strategically. Um, so the third kidnapping is a kidnapping where it's a, uh, a warrantless kidnapping. There was never any warrants or anything. There was no paperwork whatsoever. So they, they, they take Jonah and I literally November 5th. It's a, it's a date that goes down in infamy. Uh, that's in 2012. So basically I, I just, I'm a day late and a dollar short getting into federal court. They grab him without any paperwork. All they have, they give the officials in North Carolina a, a letter from a Carlsbad investigator. Her name is Carol Schneider. She works underneath a nepotistic relative. His name is Timothy Sullivan. I find out later he works for the CIA and his real name is Michael Van Heusen. So these guys are all part of the CIA, a huge trafficking ring of officials out of Southern California is really what it is. They literally say to the North Carolina officials, hey, hey, guess what? I'm gonna send this teletype to you and we'll send you the valid paperwork later if you go pick them up. Do you know they never did? There never was any valid paperwork, nothing. To this day, there was no valid warrants ever. So what they did was Carol Schneider gives the police in North Carolina a paper that says, this is, this is uh, Mrs. Sullivan. She uh, fled the state of California in the middle of a divorce proceeding on February, I'm sorry, May 2nd of uh, 2012. And she uh, ran out of the court in Vista with her child. And they claimed that I drove all the way across the United States uh, and I ran past thousands of, of, of police, okay? <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm superwoman, amazing. And I fled and I got past all these police and I went running to North Carolina and hid in North Carolina with my son, is what they said. And that I was Mrs. Sullivan and that I violated a custody court order and that I was just upset because Mr. Sullivan got more custody than I did. So that's what they did. In the meantime, let me tell you, what's happening in North Carolina. They, Jonah gave his own testimony, testimony about the SRA. Um, he's talking about the uh, physical, the mental, the, the absolute, the physical abuse of being molested by Sullivan and a person called Papa Joe, who's really a guy named Joe Moose. He's, pre he's pretending to be Sullivan's father. This guy's an old Boston mob guy. And he's, he's one of the ring people is what he is. So- How old was Jonah at that time? Jonah was just about to turn five at this time. The second kidnapping, he's a, he's, he's, a, he's a month from turning three. The third time, he's a month from turning five. Okay. He's almost five and he's testifying about what he's gone through with these people. Right. And I, one thing I, I miss saying too, I want you to know too, I, I even explained to the North Carolina officials, I want everyone to know, I, had, I even had a case open in the second kidnapping of Jonah in San Diego with the DA's office. I have the paperwork to this day to prove that. And they even said it was the worst case of legal kidnapping they've ever seen. 
I wanted to mention that. Matter of fact, they were even laying the groundwork to take Jonah out of the country. And I have that paperwork. They were using a church and they put down this guy, Sullivan is his father, without a paternity test showing or any paternity trial had been Alabama. So they had That's where the jurisdiction lied. So they, they literally were creating paperwork with this transgender man, Denise Nolan Wallach Glazer or Denise, it's a Dennis, Dennis Nolan is his real name, make it look like impersonating me as the mother. Now, this was a foundational way to start putting paperwork and passports together to, and they had already created like two other birth certificates that were, that were counterfeit birth certificates. And I have those. So they were laying the groundwork to do an international kidnapping and trafficking is what they were doing to take Jonah out of the country. I have medical records showing he actually had been, he had literally been kidnapped out of the country without my knowledge. Now I had custody of my child. So how did he leave the country without my knowledge or consent? They also stole my original passport. So these are all these things. I ended up getting to the state department, in Washington, DC, and I ended up getting a federal case open in Washington, D.C., they open an international kidnapping case. They also start getting the passport police involved. And they, when I was explaining the legal kidnapping, they corrected me. My father, my mother was there. They said, stop calling this legal kidnapping. This is now international kidnapping. At that point, they literally intercept Jonah, who arrives in New South Wales, Australia, on February. He leaves actually February 26th of the United States of 2013 after being kidnapped out of North Carolina in November the 5th of 2012. He's taken to California before he leaves the United States. And they do more legal kidnappings there on with phony paperwork. And he ends so, up in- So he's testifying in North Carolina. Right. Next thing, he's on a plane to California. From California, they take him out of the country. Right, and, and also let me make, make sure I mention this. I forgot to mention something. So in North Carolina, they tried to protect Jonah. The officials there did. And they had a hold on him not to leave the state of North Carolina. So, um, and they knew, I said, look, I'm not married to anybody. I've never been married in my life. So I'm not this guy's wife. And, I'm, and so they knew at that point that something, that this was, this, this was all fraud. Um, but they were up against their own people in their own system, too, that were helping is the problem. So what happens is Sullivan with a, um, pays off a guy named Johnny Trailer, a CPS guy in North Carolina, and they kidnap Jonah straight from the foster care home where he was being held. So they literally, he slips through the cracks, and they get him back to California. The North Carolina officials tried to go to California to get him back. They get intercepted by, a, by the head of CPS in North Carolina, who's this alleged friend of mine, Gina Mish's uh, boss, and she basically hides her real identity. Her name is Lupita uh, Castro Zuninga, but she files her name as twisted around, Lupita Zuninga, sorry, Lupita, what was it, Castro is her real name, not Zuninga is what it is. That was her maiden name. So she thwarts them and says, no, 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 this, this mother's crazy. She actually, they changed her story. It says, no, 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 she actually lost custody at birth is what their story is with Carol Schneider of Carlsbad. And so they actually commit a federal crime and lie to officials across state lines now who are coming to get Jonah back. And they're lying to them. And, and they literally at that point have a meeting which gets intercepted saying, hey, we need to take Jonah underground personally and permanently. 
they do this with Judge Pollack, and he gets caught. We have the transcripts to prove that, saying, let's take Jonah underground permanently with the DA, Jill Lindbergh, and Carol Schneider are all involved in this with Sullivan, Dennis Nolan, and the Sandy Short are all together taking Jonah underground permanently on December 18th, 2012. And then after that, he disappears and they ha they're hiding him is what they do. And then he finally leaves the country on February 26th of 2013, lands in Australia. And he's profiled in nude photos on Facebook on March 4th by this Sarah Francis, who we now know is a Sutton. Wow. There, there's just no words for it. I mean, so it's, they're, they're, they're bragging. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They're proud. They're very, you know, I'd very like proud. you to go knowing a little bit more of the story. Um, Cause I think this is important for the audience to know. I mean, this went beyond our judicial system. Um, can you talk a little bit about the high government officials in our own government who got involved um, in Jonah's situation and became part of this um, international trafficking of him. Yes. So what ends up happening is this is under the Obama administration, first and foremost. Let me state that with HRC. So this, I want you to understand, I, I'll never forget sitting at the Bureau of State. Okay. Not just the State Department, but the Bureau of State. And mind you, they were also battling another team um, inside the State Department, um, and they were called Children's Matters, that were aiding this ring in California. I was getting help out of Yeah, they sure were. Um, and matter of fact, the woman had a, she had a, uh, an acronym, we call it an acronym name of, of uh, her name was Chandelin Spellers. And that means child handler, just like Rachel Chandler's name is child handler is what it really means. It's a, it's code. So she's helping them. And then I have a team on the children's issue side that's fighting for Jonah and I, and they're working with the Australian federal police at that time. And I'm working with the Bureau of State. I'm working with passports and they are guiding me. There's no instructions. that tells you no parent gets, here's a rule book. If this happens to you. Oh yeah. You just do X, Y, and Z right here. No, no, no. I would have known to do any of these things if this, if, the, if this team inside the State Department and Passport Police did not guide me. I would have never known to do anything I did. So again, and I even had an order from the Chief Justice out of the federal court in DC because they were talking to him, okay, in the beginning. So the officials all the way up into the Secretary of State as I'm sitting with the bureau, we, we're trying to thwart we're trying to thwart the efforts of this ring from Jonah leaving the United States. We know it's going to happen, and we're we're too late. He ends up when he arrives there. The bureau says, "Yep, Australian government, they absolutely confirmed." And we're sitting there in in D.C. that he made it there, and they're admitting it. And they show us the paperwork. And do you know? I have a copy of this. Okay, it shows his passport paperwork. Do you know that they literally in out of this is John Kerry signs this under Obama and HRC uh, under that whole administration signs that he was not a citizen of any country on the planet. Now, how did he leave the United States then? Now I know how he left. He left on a private plane 
and they use Sullivan and the Nolan uh, transgender person who impersonates me as the mother to Interpol. They go on a separate flight that goes through Hawaii and to do a uh, kind of a, a distraction, look over here instead is what they do. So, because this is a hierarchy child, so he leaves, he leaves in the most clandestine way you can possibly imagine. Now, I've been kidnapped too, so I know, I get the private plane because it happened to me too. <laughs> Hold on one second. So, so you're literally telling us that Senator John Kerry signed a passport for your child saying he was not a citizen of any country. That's correct. That's correct. And what I didn't know at the time is I was working with the U.S. Marshals. I got them involved. These other people were not, they didn't have the U.S. Marshals involved. So I got the U.S. Marshals involved. And literally, when you walk in the federal court, the U.S. Marshals Service is right to your right-hand side. Okay. And so um, they got involved. And at this time, I'm also getting slack. Um, I get slack from missing exploited children because I'm up against a guy named Ernie Allen, who's the partner to John Walsh. Remember the TV show, John Walsh? Yes. You know, with all the missing kids. So these guys are really partners that create missing exploited children. So you've got a fox in the hen house is what's going on. And Ernie Allen's working with the Podesta brothers. Okay. And there's also a Sullivan relative that's working with them and they are thwarting this case all the way to Australia behind my back. Now, I don't find that out until 2014, the following year. So you had a huge, and we already know who the Podesta brothers are, connected to the Clinton Foundation, connected to Epstein, connected to Maxwell. Um, I found out years later through through investigative uh, teams and organizations, my son ends up at a building that he's being held at literally in New South Wales, Australia, and it was the Clinton, one of the Clinton Foundation buildings is where he's actually held. Now, this, this, the trafficker, one of the main people they put in charge, this Brian Sullivan, he, again, works in a ring. This is a guy that was actually um, with Australian tel- intelligence, I find out, years later, working with the CIA, and they work with the FBI finders, okay, Division Five, who is who literally is in charge of abducting children, not just through the courts, but off the streets, or just even through ministries, churches that are also running fronts too. So this is for all the way down to. Go ahead. Yeah, for people who don't know, the Finders were um, the CIA guys under Nixon, who um, were doing drug trafficking, child trafficking. Correct. That's correct. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen in the listening audience, if this has not horrified you yet, you know, like this this is so scary and it goes up so high and into so many different governments and the three letter agency that has been named here several times. Uh, you know, in my opinion is actually working not only in this case against Tammy and and her son, but it's working against the United States. And these people have become so big and so powerful, it seems like there's nothing we can do. But have faith, people, because 
this thing is getting exposed and this show is part of it. It's just a small part, but it's getting exposed and the truth is going to come out and these people will be going yeah, so down. Yes, still there? Okay. Yeah, so Tammy, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, I know, you know, so now we've got someone in Senate that you've named who is involved in this case. He was that in the State Department at the time. That's right. right. He was the Secretary of State, John Kerry was at the time, yes. What I'd like you to get involved or really uh, discuss is the other individual who now is running for a very high political position. Um, would you explain her involvement in this case as well? Yes. Yeah, so her name is, I'm sure that our listeners will recognize the name Kamala Harris. At the time, so Kamala Harris was also involved. She was directly involved. So this line of command uh, in California um, came, basically went all the way straight to her. And I remember even uh, we were trying to, and we were trying to file paperwork when I was in DC in 2013, just to kind of give the, just to kind of give our listeners like (laughs) that anybody who has any doubt, when we were trying to serve documents out of Washington DC to her, I kid you not, she literally had uh, the U.S. postmaster in that state unscan documents that were served to her. Thank God we have people on our side that could prove that she actually did these paperwork. She, she was served and they did arrive there and she was, they, they did get to her office in Sacramento, California. So that was the first clue that this woman is not going to help us. <laughs> Little did we know that she was directly involved. So what happens is I go through a kidnapping myself. And with some of the officials and organizations I've worked with since then have made it very clear to me that they said, you know, um, you, your son has a case, but from the kidnapping they did to you and the false incarceration, using, using federal kidnapping to do it, you have your own case separate from your son. So it's very clear to officials that they, they, they literally kidnapped me to basically criminalize me to cover up what they have done to, the, to my son, to cover up the entire international kidnapping and trafficking of my child. So, so um, let's start with which came first, did the, the pr- imprisonment or the, um, or the incarceration or the kidnapping? Well, they had to use federal kidnapping to do the false incarceration. So how they do it is they they get somebody to um, impersonate a U.S. Marshal who's a local, he's just a local Yahoo uh, detective down in DeKalb County, Alabama. His name is Josh York. So he impersonates himself as a, as a, as a U.S. Marshal named Chuck Robert Reynolds. I personally think they should have got somebody who looked ex- identical to Chuck Robert Reynolds. Josh York was a white-haired man with a white goatee in his 60s, um, very heavy-set man, uh, tall, six foot, one or two. And Chuck Robert Reynolds was at the time was in his 40s, and he was balding, and he was very muscular, and he was about five nine. Okay, and so big difference. So, yeah, yeah, huge, huge difference. Okay, so he 
So this is how they basically, if they had any real paperwork or anything real, they wouldn't need to impersonate anyone to pretend that they had the U.S. Marshal Service. So what they do is they literally drive away from the Birmingham location, okay, using Carol Schneider comes to, comes to Alabama. They hold me there secretly in a 91 days detention, which there is no such thing as 91 days without any warrants, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no hearings, no nothing, and they... They kidnapped me through three states away from the U.S. Marshal Service in Birmingham, Alabama. So I've turned this into U.S. Marshals, and they've looked at me like, "You, you are you? You can't! You're kidding me! You, they have only the U.S. Marshals would be able to transport you, and you wouldn't you wouldn't be the DA's office wouldn't be allowed to even sit next to you or talk to you." So did the, they said, "Did the man have a U.S. Marshal shirt on?" I said, "No, he had just had a golf shirt on." Well, did the vehicle? What was it? I said, a white SUV. Did he have, did it say U.S. Marshals on the side? I said, no, they can't, they can't do that. That's illegal. You'd have been taken on a U.S. Marshals plane. Well, why did they drive me away from the Southern United States Division of the U.S. Marshals Service if that was all valid? Because it wasn't valid. It was, it was literally federal kidnapping. And they put me under another name in Alabama, the name of Tammy Reese, a known felon. So this is called fantasy arrestee trafficking. This is a different type of trafficking. So they trafficked me by putting me, hiding me in the system um, under other names. In California, it was Nancy Clark. I've even been hidden under a man's name, Ray Reef, who's a real relative of mine who's been a felon. So they, they hide you in the system as someone else and you do time for somebody else. Well, they're out committing crimes for these ring of people. Because let's not forget, wherever you see any type of, of drug trafficking, you also have child trafficking. They go hand in hand, arms dealing, they all go hand in hand. So that's so you're going to have people that they can utilize that are doing drug trafficking or whatever else, other types of, of uh, criminal activity. So... This is what Kamala Harris was involved in. She oversaw the entire case with it, with a money laundering uh, known um, criminal, uh, a corrupt, uh, bad actor criminal, uh, uh, who I'm calling her a criminal because she should be, she should be in prison, who is ex-DA Bonnie Dumanis of San Diego. She was working with um, a ring of people that were money laundering through the cartel out of Mexico, and everybody else went to prison but her. So she's very well protected by Kamala Harris, by the, uh, the Pelosi system, the Getty system in California, the Newsom system. So this is who literally, meaning Kamala Harris, had oversaw the entire um, railroading of my case. There was still no warrants to hold me, um, the media people that with Save Kids International exposed the system there that they had no warrants. They had, there was no, um, they had, they had, they had no, they had nothing. There, there was no charge. There was, there was no charge at all. As a matter of fact, they held me under um, a violation visitation custody decree. I had every official you can imagine say, oh my God, you can't even put somebody in a jail for one hour for that, let alone have a phony railroading trial. And guess who oversaw that trial? The same judge who's in charge of the kidnapping in 2009. He's the Kenneth K. So. And Judge sure. Irvide, they decide that they're going to put me on trial for kidnapping my own son <laughs> in 2014 and 2013. Yep. So, 
so just on um, continuing on the Kamala thing, just something that's come out in the last 24 hours. It's it's really about the connections with her her husband, who is connected with the Clinton Foundation as well. And so the ties run very, very deep there. They, they do. And I, I want to also reiterate something else, too, that she is also running um, um, a very she's running the trafficking for them is what it is. She actually uh, oversaw even the trafficking of another child named Lexi Dillon. And uh, the mother is Ruby Dillon, who um, has is a very amazing woman. She was an orthodontist and this is out of Orange County. So both Lexi Dillon, her daughter and my son, Jonah Reef, were both. Um, cases, Kamala Harris, I mean, she made sure to cover up. She actually had a hand in the paperwork as well, all the way to Washington, D.C., in making sure our children were literally internationally kidnapped. She was, she was the one who hid even paperwork. She actually helped lie to say I was this guy, say, say I was Sullivan's wife. This is somebody who, even in an appellate paperwork, she then, I mean, she concocts the paperwork. She uses, they, they literally hire an attorney uh, named, his name is Raymond Mark De Giuseppe, who was Kamala Harris's assistant when he was working at the attorney general's office when Kamala Harris was the attorney general of California. So, I mean, you know, that's a conflict of interest. I mean, that's collusion right there. And it's also true that she's refused to prosecute any of the child molester cases or human trafficking cases in California. That's correct. She actually protects them. She literally protected the people that we turned in. Um, I know Ruby turned in her ex. He was an arms dealer. The attorney he had was an arms dealer. Kamala Harris protected them. Um, she protected Brian Sullivan. She protected even the people that were in the district attorney's office. There's a Robert Sullivan that's working inside the DA's office that was literally overseeing the case with Jill Lindbergh. She got Jill Lindbergh, who was, a, who was an ADA at the time, gets promoted to a supervisor. So anybody that got involved underneath this, they made sure they all got promoted. They made sure they all were taken care of really well. Um, and they, I mean, again, uh, Kamala Harris is, you know, she's all the way at an appellate case with me where she's completely railroading me. They secret that case too. And again, she's connected all the way to these same people in DC, the State Department and the Secretary of State's office. I mean, she's, she's, I want to bring out one important thing that I think people really need to hear and understand. So I'm going to kind of put it in different words. Um, but basically what you're telling us is you, or what I'm hearing is you have documents that Kamala Harris has signed that implicate her in this child trafficking ring. That's correct. That's correct. And her name, she signed her name. She did. It's her, it's her name clearly on the cover-up and all the paperwork. That's correct. Wow. So another thing she also did was um, when I was able, I had a lot of people that helped, like Safe Kids International. A lot of media people helped get me out of California. And I want everyone to know that immediately after that, I was um, referred to an anti-trafficking organization they knew they absolutely could see inside the system that there was this was all concocted. This was all collusion and that this was a federal kidnapping of me. And immediately I became a client of theirs. And, and so did Jonah. Um, this case was so high that they said this is even above us. 
because of the officials that like Kamala Harris that's involved. She has these uh, uh, mercenaries that are Knights Templar, fake police, um, that she used, that she was using to send after me to do another abduction. Um, I had no paperwork getting out of the jail that showed I was even in there. I had nothing. And that was very concerning to me because they could make it look like I'm, you know, that I escaped or anything else. But thank God we had a video that I had no paperwork getting out of there. So they were worried that they were going to re-abduct me and they were worried they're going to create another, either I'd be dead or something would happen or they'd create another false charge and make up some other paper wizardry. So I was referred to a, a State Department organization of people who partnered with special forces, who partnered with other State Department officials um, that did um, anti-trafficking internationally. And I became their client. If I did not have this case, um, a case like this, and I, if this wasn't uh, uh, this type of corruption and this type of collusion, this type of uh, high-level uh, activities that I could prove, I would not have had these cases open. I would have not have been their clients if that was the case. So at that point, I kid you not, this Kamala Harris still sent out after me uh, mercenaries and these guys were Knights Templar fake police. She had 33 offices set up all over the United States. She still has them set up. She did get in trouble for this. You can Google this. Uh, Channel 5 KTLA Los Angeles that her associates, her assistants got caught running it for her. This fake police that was their headquarters was out of Los Angeles and they began being trying to oversee the police and the sheriff's departments in Los Angeles. So this is a fact that she's running this. They were caught. Everybody else got in trouble except for her. Oh. I'm just writing that down. I, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna get that clip and try to include this in this broadcast. And just so you all also are aware, and I think I can say this. Um, Jesse knows this. We have a photo of my son, and um, well, we have various photos uh, of him, which I can't. I cannot get into that. Um, uh, most of them I can't get into because they'll move him, and because the people that were over the secondary group in the United States that are that are outside the United States are such high level. They are probably the highest level people that are connected to the EU. So, and it's in an open investigation as we speak. Um, and they are connected to your Bilderbergs is why. So, but I will say this, we do have a photo that is my son that was profiled through Rachel Chandler's uh, model management account in 2017. And so that just, that right there is also, again, um, shows people that he is not safe and he is not in good hands. Um, he's not sitting in Carlsbad. He's not sitting uh, just like a normal child or he's like nothing bad's happening to him. So that is something I want to make sure I mention. Um, we also have photos that my son has taken also into Nova Scotia, Canada at one point in time with people that no one has any idea who they are or why they have my child. But what's interesting is the thing is that Nova Scotia, Canada goes back to the lineage of the Knights Templar, by the way. It is a training center for anybody who they're using or utilizing to bring them up into that background. Um, and so Jonah was taken there. The Sinclair is my family. There is a link to 
to Nova Scotia, Canada. So I, I want to mention that. So we have those photos too. There's been a lot of activity in Canada as of lately, and uh, and I understand that some dumbs and things like that in Nova Scotia have been taken out most recently. So um, there is some activity happening, but it's so there's there's one thing that I just keep wanting to go back to, uh, Tammy. It's so your son obviously with the bloodlines, and he's obviously passed the tests with the giftings because. There's a lot of strings, a lot of high profile people who have gotten involved to pull this entire operation off. What are the unique giftings that Jonah has that these people want? Um, to go into that, I would like to actually share a, a, like a story that um, to give you, I'm gonna paint you a picture really, okay. Um, Jonah bef would, know things before they happened so and and matter of fact there are other people that were at a house in North Carolina that weren't part of the recruiters that were setting us up that were there who witnessed him saying and I saying these things and so which I have some audio recording of that went into that was given to the State Department um, and some affidavits from from one of them so he began saying that the bad people are coming. Mommy, mommy, the bad people are coming two months before he was taken, literally two months. And he kept saying, they're coming, mommy, the bad people are coming. And he actually described like how many people, eight people were gonna show up, how many cars were gonna be there, um, what they were gonna do and what they're gonna do to mommy, what they're gonna do to him. Actually, he even went further and kept saying they're gonna put rocks and rope on him. I do not, still to this day, I don't know what the, actually that means, but he describes the fake, the, the, the police showing up, everything. This is two months ahead of time. Um, we had another incident where we were at a park and he wanted me to know that the mother, that there was another mother there with her child and he, wanted me to go and tell her he shouldn't swing on the swing because he was gonna his he was gonna fall and his head was gonna be broken over open. But I was worried because um, I I just didn't I didn't know the lady. I didn't know if I could trust her. I just didn't know. I knew we were trying to get help at that time. And so um, I I just I just didn't know if I wanted to do that. I thought, well surely surely he'll be okay. Let's just go over by there and we'll stand by the swing and make sure he doesn't fall over and we'll kinda but Sure enough, I, I, so I thought, okay, I'll just try that. I, I just wasn't comfortable to do that. And so I didn't know these people. Sure enough, uh, I can't stop the child from going too fast. The child ends up falling on the swing, breaks his head open. So it's just things like that. So he, he had um, a, uh, what the secular world would call a, a, a psychic gift, what people in our world call it a prophetic gift that's what I prefer it to be called I know it's a prophetic gifting they knew he had a perfect he had a prophetic gift um, so that's the type of giftings they were looking for they knew that he could also see he could see into angelic realm on the good side and the dark side that was very very clear so he would describe that to me he would describe how many angels were in the room um, what they looked like my favorite story actually is, and I really feel like he could see Jesus. And he said to me, he says, I, I, I love the man with the blue. I got I have to imitate him. He's so cute. I love the man with the blue coat. And I said, the blue coat? Jonah, what do you mean? What's a blue coat? Because he's good to me. He loved me. And I said, okay. He keep me safe. 
and he starts to kind of motion like, you know, blue coat mummy, like, like he's motioning across his chest. And it didn't occur to me until like maybe after it was taken that he's talking about a sash. He didn't know the word for a sash. So he could see into that realm. So Jesse, if you could kind of elaborate there, you know, yeah. what that would mean in the hierarchy world, like why that would, he would be valuable to them in that world. With those right. So, so for me, it was, um, for me and my training partner, we had this, you know, very, very similar gifts. And I know we've talked about this tea. Um, you know, that was one of our main things was that we could hear, see and feel in the spirit world. And it wasn't, you know, in that psychic realm or um, scientific realm, they'll talk about astral projection where your body and spirit separate and, and, you know, some people will view the spirit world from this separated state, but it's not that at all. It's, it's very similar to, you know, like you're physically in one place and you can see your physical surroundings. And at the exact same time, you can hear, see and feel what's happening in the spirit world. And it's kind of like a radio, like you're attuned to all these other, um, you know, spirits and not just, um, you know, fallen angels or angels or the Lord and Satan, but you can also attune into people and, you know, know you've got this foreknowledge of, of what that person may be experiencing or going on at that exact moment. And, um, so, you know, for them, it, it was key because, you know, in my role, I had to be able to connect with Satan every day and had to be able to hear, you know, what he was dictating as his agenda. And then I would have to dictate back word for word to other people, you know, exactly what Satan wanted to happen. Um, the same thing would ha happen with some of the demonic generals or, um, you know, with the government, then when I got pulled into um, experiments like the Star Wars Now and the Looking Glass projects, you know, they would have us interface with that spiritual world and then, you know, come back and basically recite word for word what our experience was. And, you know, I believe that Jonah was up there, you know, I know it's documented. I had 100%, you know, reciting ability um, and others could confirm a lot of the details of what I saw and heard. Um, they experienced that with me. And, um, you know, I can imagine that Jonah's, you know, really high up there as well. So, you know, they're looking for that because it doesn't matter where you're at. Um, you can have that connection anywhere and that's valuable to them for protection it's valuable to them if they have somebody who can communicate with the higher level people without actually picking up a phone you know there's no way way to track spiritual communications um so it can be used in well i'll just put it that way or this way um you know what the government ended up pulling it into was you know basically attempting to use children as weapons in warfare um, it was untrackable, the things that, that you could do or, 
see or hear and report back, they could know what other people in other countries were talking about or discussing, and then they could make plans based on those things. Um, if I may, too, I'd like to elaborate, too. Um, there is a, we have another uh, defector that I think, I, I know uh, that we work with, um, that also talked about she, too, was uh, used and what Jesse was talking about with other children where she would, it's kind of a remote viewing, but they all have to stand in a circle and they're used to even take people out in that circle. So it's to do with their giftings. Um, and I'm talking about the, the, the Japanese woman, mm-hmm. Jesse. Right. So that so that is absolutely a real thing, and it's done by done with the CIA. Um, they've been working with remote viewing for I mean be, I mean obviously since World War II or probably before. Yeah. So so Jonah would have that gift, and again, so when I was a child, I could see those spirits in that Amoroso house. My sister could not. My, I had a cousin the same age as, as myself, and he could not. Um, I could, my grandmother and I could see the same entities in that house that had that were demonic entities. My mother had the same gift, so they were looking for somebody who passed down that genetic, that gene, genetic energy, that genetic giftings is what they were looking for. They were looking for, again, those families. When you go back in time, like the Habsburgs that we are related to, that we are genetically related to their, they know that that goes back 14 generations. So if they thought Jonah was a special child to be born at this certain time, which I understand they do, they think he's a moon child. Um, And Jesse can go in a little bit into more what that means. So that would actually make him also um, to be, I mean, uh, of more value to him. Oh, I want to stay too. And he, he is even listed with the United States government all the way up the State Department as an HVA. And when I was informed of that and that that the people that took him had diplomatic immunity and they were given diplomatic immunity by the British Embassy, I thought it'd be the American or Australian, but it was the British Embassy, interestingly enough. But they said too, they said, yeah, these people had had immunity and your son is listed as a, which means an HVA, which means high value asset. Well, my goodness, that's only a terminology usually that the, that the federal officials use and the CIA uses. Now, why would if Jonah wasn't up there, why would he be listed in paperwork with our federal officials with that code word and that coding and that linking to his name? So, I guess, Tammy, one of the things that I like to do and... and I kind of always like to round things up and, you know, end on a positive note. And I I know there's a lot more to the story. And by the way, I'm going to commit to keeping on this story. Um, I know I've reached out to, uh, to Patriot Jane, who's been writing a lot about it as well. And there, there's some other things I do want to stay on this case and keep it in the public eye. So you have that commitment from me and, uh, and I can probably speak for Jesse as well. Yes. But the one thing with with such being such a high value asset that he is, I I just gotta give my hope and and I'm gonna say uh, in faith I'll believe that this is protecting him. And you know it's a they're probably trying to convert him and get him to be a cooperating person in it. Um, 
but I, you know, I just have to believe that at least, you know, just to, as one parent talking to another parent that, you know, perhaps this is his protection. He's not suffering. He's suffering not being with his mother and, you know, not growing up in a normal life, obviously. But I, I just want to, you know, hopefully extend some comfort to you. Um, not that I have knowledge of it, but it, I just feel that. Um, I'd like to say what, what it does do is um, it doesn't, um, I'm, I, let me just state this and then I'm going to say something positive. It doesn't, I, from what I've learned, um, unfortunately it doesn't limit the SRA he, he's going to be going through and he's gone through, but what it does do that gives me um, hope, okay, and hope, hope from the Lord is what keeps me going every day and hope is that that see they're not gonna they're not going to sacrifice him they're not going to kill him because they need him so that that is the hope that I know he's still alive I and that's I have to say is um, yeah that 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 is the that is something positive that they that we do have and I do have going for Jonah that and for myself as his mother yes and what about Pompeo State Department? Um, Pompeo, um, well, Jesse, can you kind of help me elaborate on that a little bit? We we do we there's you know they're still fighting corruption within the USDOJ, so we we know we're still up against it with that. There's still levels that have been cleaned out that are absolutely um, helping that are with the Pentagon. We know that are literally a driving force with something called the Alliance. And that is a, they are very real. Okay. And so I do know that there is like people like Mike Flynn that he uh, tweeted out, I believe like in that's connected underneath all of that with Pompeo last December, Jonah, we will never stop fighting for you. We will never stop looking for you and Trump put a heart on it. So um, it was like, to me that those are kind of code words and kind of code to let us, all know like we're on it um that things are we are well aware of the situation underneath pompeo and what he's was underneath him and those that are military that are moving forward going after the highest level of trafficking i would say that well that makes me feel really good because I, i'm very familiar with the alliance and i have some some pretty good sources there as well and i think things are are you know, coming into the wrapping up portion. Yes. And I hope it, you know, I mean, for me, a hope in all this too, um, you know, is that Trump has made a promise and, you know, a lot of people don't know the full extent of this, but there were things in his life, um, you know, that really motivate him in this to see that every child, um, you know, has a safe environment to grow up in. And, um, you know, he's, he's several times said two things. One, um, he's, he's given his heart to this. And, and the second thing is that he won't stop until he sees every American citizen brought home. And, um, you know, he knows the children that, um, we've brought forward that we're aware of who, you know, they've stolen their birth certificates. They've, um, you know, made them non-citizens of any country, but they're aware of these children. And, um, you know, he's made that his life's goal in this, um, is to bring every American citizen home. 
Yeah. And, and so, Tammy, for the listening audience, is there anything that you can, that we can do for you? Anyone who's heard this broadcast, is it just prayer? Is there anything that, that we can do to help you? Um, yes. Um, obviously, prayer is, uh, is obviously of the utmost importance. Um, I'm asking people to pray around the world that doors, more doors would open that would um, allow my son and the children that are with him, because there are others, we, we already know, there's others with him, that the Lord would unlock those doors from the inside out for them to, um, to come out. And also uh, that we would also be ready all of our teams and we do have many many teams that are working that i even work directly with uh obviously jesse can't go into too a lot a lot of detail there um for their safety but um we uh, we would like others that that would like to um know what to do what they can do who would come forward that would join us um i've been praying for um that gideon's army even if it's 300 <laughs> so um I, and I know we're i know we're we probably have more than that but um but but i would love to see more and more people that would come aboard and that would join us and so that we too would be um a larger uh well-oiled machine that would be one united front to save our children. And, and how can someone join then? How can someone how can someone get involved on the team? Um, I let's see. Well, we have a couple of sources. Um, Jesse, I'm going to let you start with that, and then I'm going to list a couple of um, our like Patriot J. Obviously, is is also one of the sources that she's connected with a lot of other teams around the world that we work with obviously jesse um you have ways too that people can contact us and to to be vetted and to be uh and to and once they're vetted of course um so we have people that try to infiltrate us also yeah. um that uh once that's done that would be able to aid us whether it's doing research whether it's doing investigative whether it's doing reconnaissance undercover work um, and even there's even teams that are looking at putting together uh, donations uh, as a type of charity to put together a, a place of refuge. So we're all looking at putting something like that together in the future. Um, we're also looking for um, more teams of special forces to join us also. So Jesse, if you could elaborate on how to how what, what's another way to contact. Yeah. Um, well, before I answer that, you know, one of the greatest things people can do, it, you know, it's been hard just to keep this story out there. You know, we've got so much fight. People are taking down channels after we put the story or the information out about Jonah. So, you know, please, I would encourage whatever platform you're on, pass the story around, ask, you know, ask your family to listen to it. Um, you know, all the evidence uh, Tammy has put right into our conversation here. So you have names of our government officials who are involved. Um, you've got names of, you know, the types of documents that they illegally did. Um, you know, the judicial system, everything's right there. So, you know, really use this to show people, hey, here's the proof. Um, this has been going on in our country. And just keep you know, keep the story going, keep this video going. Um, 
And then, you know, with me, um, it's kind of a closed source. So, you know, if you're interested in helping, you can contact. And then from there, um, we can talk and I can direct you to individuals or sources, um, depending on how you're able to, to help. Um, but the greatest thing right now is just pretty much keeping the information going, um, keeping that alive. So, right. Um, I, I do have, I know there is a, it's a, they're a team of researchers and they do, um, actually they're kind of, they're really kind of gatekeepers that, uh, are able to take in information also. And it's the find Jonah reef, um, staff, um, another individual that works on a, on a, on a separate team that does investigative work that's uh, out of Canada and the U.S. is Karina Kane Ulrich. Um, and uh, she can be emailed. Um, and it's, I think it's human rights with the number four children, 23 at gmail.com. And she's also on Facebook too. So I know that. So that's another source that she's actually, I'm assigned to her. So um, she usually sets up and coordinates conversations or sets up um, working with, the, with the teams around the world to coordinate um, who, where, where people can uh, also be directed and which teams they could be utilized in as well. Yeah. But there is a vetting process. And, yeah. and if you are trying to get in and we find out you're a phony, we will expose you. And That's I right. will get lots of other channels to expose you as well. Your face will get out there. Everything will get out there. So stay away. If you want to come in and help, come in and help. You're one of those. Your, your time is nearly up. Repent. In fact, just start telling on the other people in the organization. Save your soul. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, one of the other things people can do, you know, on Twitter, I do a lot, um, you know, putting the four children's names, Jonah and Izzy and um, Lexi um, and the others, you know, I, I literally will name the kids that I'm aware of. And, you know, I will tweet individuals like um, Trump, Pompeo, um, Flynn, and, you know, with prayers or reminders, um you know, that, hey, as a U.S. citizen, I want this child brought home. Um, you know, take him out of the hands of the people who are faking, you know, to be his parents or his guardians. It, it all was corrupt. Um, you know, it's time to bring Kamala Harris and uh, Pollock and other individuals, you know, Judge So. It, it's time to bring all those individuals to account. HRC. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like we've had enough of these people doing this dirty work to our American children. Um, it's time to bring the kids home and it's time to, you know, um, take them out of these people's hands. You know, they, they shouldn't be living with these people on a regular basis, um, you know, or hidden through their school systems, um, the universities that they've got some of the kids at. Um, the military, you know, they're using our military bases, um, using some of these children in experiments and projects um, in warfare. So, you know, it's time for the American people to say no. 
you know, we're not going to allow this to happen to our children anymore. Yeah, and worldwide, and worldwide as well. Worldwide. It, it, Tammy, I, I can't believe, you know, first of all, you're never given a challenge that you cannot overcome. Uh, why God chose you to go through this? Well, you got to be something special in his eyes. You know, it, it, that, it sounds sarcastic, but it isn't. Um, you really are someone special and you're extremely brave uh, what you've gone through. And, you know, we just wish you Godspeed. And I want to thank you sincerely for coming on this channel and sharing your story. And we're going to keep it in the news. I so appreciate you. And, um, and again, um, you know, I, I, I want to just say to I thank you um, abundant, abundantly. <laughs> thank you for letting me, uh, you know, get Jonah's story out there and to um, because there's so many to like him and one of my one of my goals too is to uh, rip the rug out um, from underneath him to, to show how this is happening um, and to really um, I really like to see a change in our, our world our country um, to change the system and so I think God put me here not just not just to to be a world changer, um, but to to help not just my son, but so many others that are going through this. And um, so I feel like that's that's the soldier I, that I've been I've been uh, born to be. Well, you certainly are, and you will be victorious in it. I I, yeah. I just I I know it. I know it. I know it. And and I'm usually never wrong, right, Jesse? That's right. Well, I don't know. We can debate on that, but uh, <laughs> you're always wrong and I'm never right. So, <laughs> so uh, Tammy, listen, I just want to leave it on a, on a little bit of a nicer note there. Uh, but, you know, just by the way, uh, through, through our, the Karina, you can get my information as well. And, you know, feel free to reach out to me directly if you have any updates or anything like that. Uh, you know, for certain you can do that and I will keep the audience up to date. So again, thank you one more time for being on right on radio. Please pray. Um, this is, this is really your call to action in the listening audience. Thank you. Right. Thank you. And love you, Tammy. Love you. Okay. Right on radio. Right on radio.